3: Hello everybody and welcome to the 4th edition of the Brit Restaurant Table where we're going to be talking about the great New Japan Ref Pro shows. Now initially this was meant to be both a quick turnaround reaction show since everyone in the cast were at the shows Uh, but obviously time has passed since those events. Um, That, my friends, is because this podcast
0: was cursed.
3: Now going in, I'd had plans for this episode since we had a These huge shows, I wanted something a little special. So I talked to some of the British Voices Wrestling crew uh, who were going to be attending these shows uh, about a week or so before the shows actually happened and organised for some guests to join us. The plan was to have Garrett Kidney, our TNA expert, who flew in from Ireland to see the London show on the uprising portion of this episode alongside Ollie and myself. That part actually worked out fine, but then for Global Wars UK... Uh, for that half, uh, I was going to have the, our acclaimed uh, Smackdown reviewer, Rue Gunn, who we met in Reading, joining me with Arn. Uh Unfortunately, Rue lost her voice due to illness before we could record, uh, which is a little bit of a problem for if you're going to be doing a podcast. Um, so... We tried waiting it out, but then Rue told us to go on without her. She wasn't getting better anytime soon, which is, you know, get well soon. Uh, I'm not sure if she's actually better yet, but whatever. So the plan was for me to sub in, uh, for Ollie to sub in for Rue for the second half. Um, well, then the day before we were scheduled to record, I too lost my voice. So Ollie and Arne went ahead without me. So it's just them for that section of the show. All these things meant that this show got pushed back a little more and more and more and then when it was time for me to edit I was I was spending time catching up from being ill on other stuff so that's why this isn't quite the uh, quick turnaround that we'd hope for but hopefully it's still fresh enough in the mind that you you'll enjoy listening um oh and then the day after we recorded or they recorded Ollie and Han Arn went down ill as well, so yeah, this episode is clearly cursed. Um, I just thought I'd mention this also when you hear us mention that Ruby was scheduled later on in the episode for the main event, as it were. Um as if we as we mentioned that in the first half of the show, which was recorded before illness we knew illness would sweep through us all. Um so you know that so you know why she never showed up, basically. Um sounds like she's no show to show or something uh, but yeah unforeseen circumstances illness card to change and all that we'll hopefully get her on at some point in the future when the podcast gods do deem it fit but this time was not to be apparently um while i'm here i'll just throw out the osprey versus Bodum from revpro tv number 27 uh yeah 27 uh, is a very good match and well worth giving a watch by the time we get around to our next recording where we're talking about red pro tv that one will probably have fallen through the cracks and we we might not get to it so just for continuity's sake that's your recommendation from this recent batch of episodes anyway let's get on to the main portion of the show Hello, everybody, and welcome back from that brief interlude. Um, I, we are now joined here by, as usual, Ollie Court. Hello. And myself. And for the uprising segment of this episode, uh, our first ever guest on the Brit Wrest Roundtable, uh, TNA expert but not lunatic fringe member, the elusive middle of the the Venn diagram. Uh, we are joined by Voices Wrestling TNA reviewer. Garrett Kidney. Hello, everybody.
4: I like the way, every time it's like, oh, he's a TNA expert, you always have to add that proviso that I'm not insane.
5: <laughs>
4: like, anytime I do a roundtable review on Voices of Wrestling, you could see, like, Rich writes the the kind of blurbs for everybody. And Rich will say, oh, he's TNA's expert, but uh, don't hold that against him too much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you have to be
1: a little bit insane to watch TNA. I, realistically, I, I think I am insane at this stage, but... <laughs>
3: I, I worry what's going to happen to you when TNA eventually fall, falls,
4: I'll have, although... I'll have nothing to do with voices of wrestling. Like <laughs> I'll, I, can, I can write some
3: TNA retrospectives. People care about that, right? You'll have a few months' worth yeah. of, like, uh, TNA's death. I already have that written, uh... so what else do I do?
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> we, were, we were talking in the uh, the pre, pre-show pre talk about how we, we, we do think that TNA is probably going to outlive all of us. Yep. In in some form or fashion, so you probably don't have too much to worry about. That death of TNA piece will be sitting there for 15 years.
4: Unpublished.
3: <laughs> You'll have to hand it on to your children. Yeah.
4: <laughs> It'll be in my will. Publish this when they go under. Right, right. <laughs> uh,
3: but enough TNA talk. We are here to talk about RevPro and their huge uh, and, well, I think it's fair to say fantastic shows that they uh, had over the last weekend, along with uh, the several talents from the New Japan. Um, this, The three of us were all there live uh, at Uprising, the first of the two shows, which was held in London at the York Hall, and uh, Rue and Arn will be joining us later on in the podcast to talk about Global Wars UK. Um, so yeah, if we get straight to it. Um... Yeah, I like York Hall.
4: It's a nice venue. It's in a nice area, too. I like Battle Green. It feels fancy.
1: (laughs) I think uh, the atmosphere is pretty damn great, to be honest. Um, Maybe not quite like the electric ballroom, but it's different. It has a different feel. Almost like it's a cathedral of wrestling, (laughs) to use a hyperbole. Um, It's got lots of good angles to watch, and it's almost like reverent of the action.
4: And there's not really a bad seat in the house either, is there?
3: Well, you say that, I managed to find one somewhat, um, because I was up on the the balcony. I know you two were down on the the floor. I was up on the balcony, and Rev Pro has these um, these stanchions, kind of like... Lighting scaffolds, yeah. Yeah, kind of like a mini version of what WWE kind of does for WrestleMania, where they put these big pillars up. The pillars themselves aren't too much of a problem because it's kind of like scaffolding, so you can kind of see through them. Um, but in the corners, they have like little uh, kind of flag sort of things uh, with the Rev Pro logo. So um, I managed to position myself so that right in... If, if the any of the wrestlers were standing in the ring on one of the diagonals, I had to um, kind of lean to the side a lot to uh, see around those mini flags. But yeah, for the most part, there's great views from everywhere, and it, it's really good for. Um, I can kind of compare it in feel to to Corican in the way it's. It's not the biggest of arenas, but it really the sound, the way it, the way um, the way you get the echoes and and the sound, mm. it really collates really well. Can,
1: there was a big difference between the York Hall atmosphere and the Reading atmosphere, where that was just in a sports hall. And, yeah, the sound just went up and out rather than up and back in. Like, the crowd felt more hot for York call, Maybe not because they definitely were, but because the, the the reverberations just made it a lot better, a much better atmosphere. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, so we've got we got two different perspectives there. Um, if we get to the, the first match of the night, um, Andy Andy Quilden, who's the owner and booker of RevPro, came out to the ring and... Um, as he was going to start welcoming everyone to the show, he was interrupted by the tag champ, the current tag champions, James Castle and Shah Samuels, who uh, came out to offer—well, not offer an open challenge—issue uh, an open challenge. That's the word I'm looking for, um, which was eventually accepted by Tenkoji. Uh, Although, not the biggest surprise, as most of us kind of knew they'd be there as they were booked the following night, and they didn't have anything for them that night, but uh, a nice surprise nonetheless.
1: Yeah, and they were on the meet and greet as well, so they were actually there. I thought there was no doubt that it would be Tenkoji. I'd already turned around and was like, oh yeah, we're going to see Japanese wrestlers here. I thought um, they were the perfect first guys to bring out first japanese guys because if you bring them out later in the show maybe their impact isn't as big because they're not as big as stars in modern new japan but as the first guys out like they just screen class their legends and yeah it was perfect to get the crowd hyped up for the bigger stars coming later
5: yeah
4: because not really going to deliver that kind of really big performance later in the show like you'd expect out of a naito or yeah. Or Kashida, they're kind of—they are kind of the perfect opening act in that regard.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Especially against the revolutionists. Yeah. I mean, you—you you have to be real special to uh, pull something great out of them.
4: Sadly, that is no longer Kojima and Tenzan these days.
3: I mean, I think Kojima is still very good. Yeah, Kojima is um,
4: capable, and Tenzan with the right opponent, on the right night. But Sha Samuels and James Castle aren't that right opponent, really, are they? <laughs>
3: No, I mean I like Samuels. Um, It's not necessarily his ring work I'm the the huge fan of though. Um, He's very charismatic. He's great at interacting with the crowd. He's kind of got every. He's a good promo as well. But he's he's kind of got everything apart from the in-ring work. And James Castle, he's kind of the same, but he doesn't have that charisma either.
4: So uh... he's like Shaw Samuels, but with nothing going for him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
3: <laughs> i mean he's still he's still relatively new to wrestling maybe he'll get there mm. maybe he'll get there
1: he's only been wrestling but, uh, i think we talked about him last time he's only been wrestling for like a year so you can forgive him a little but yeah like, i'm willing to give him some leeway
3: so it doesn't sound like we were overly positive on this match but but what do you guys think of it it was
1: it was exactly what you would have wanted
4: out of it though really wasn't it like if this was any longer, it would have become super boring. Because basically, they got the heat on Tenzan or Kojima. I can't even remember who they got the heat on.
3: They got the heat. On. I think it was Kojima. Yeah, I remember a brilliant choke. Um, Samuels was choking Kojima with with his scarf, and Kojima sold that. Um, the best choke sell I've ever seen. Right, it was amazing. <laughs> Conversely,
4: Kojima threw or Tenzan threw the worst headbutt I've ever seen in this match. (laughs) It was a headbutt in the corner, and he threw it, and you could literally park a bus between uh, his head and uh, I think it was Shami Samuel's head in the corner. It was utterly atrocious.
1: Yeah, the the match wasn't really for the quality; it was for uh, seeing the first New Japan guys, Um, and I was just happy to see Tenkoji over like they're just guys you would never think would be brought over like everyone all the other new japan guys who got brought over you can kind of see i think they were all the same guys who went to the ring of honor a bit earlier in the year but tenkoji but um seeing tenkoji was just it felt special a lot like ishii not to the same extent for me but seeing them was special doing the hissing for the mongolian chops was special doing ichazu bakairo which no one else did. No
4: one knew. (laughs) Like, literally
1: nobody. It was was brilliant seeing half the crowd, like, start saying
3: it and then realise, oh, no, I've only ever said this alone in a room. I don't actually
4: know how to say it properly. (laughs) Just got to start and then
1: mumble, mumble,
4: mumble.
5: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: but that was so fun, so it was a perfect opener.
3: Kojima noticed that as well, he, he loved it he, he kind of like <laughs> looked at the crowd and went really? Oh, come on
1: <laughs>
3: like, you, yeah, as you said could, both Tenzan and Kojima got to, to come out here, run through their stuff um, have have a heat segment have the, your big face come back Bell um, eventually lose to getting hit with a he got hit with a belt and then got pinned. Was that it? There was a low blow on there too, wasn't
1: there? Yeah, there was a belt.
3: low blow, yeah. a belt, a belt hit. It was a terrible belt <laughs> hit. He, he did the thing. Castle did the thing where like he holds the, the belt to his side and runs rather than swinging it at all. Where it, so it kind of just like ran into him while holding a belt. But, whatever. It it was. This match was never going to be. highlight of this card from an in-ring work perspective and as you guys said it was a fun opener um just for the fact that yeah we got to see Tenkoji. It's what it needed to be. So next up was ACH versus Martin Kirby this was originally intended to be Chris Travis but unfortunately had to um well he had to retire um due to his um what we assume is his stomach cancer re-flaring up, but some sort of injury. Uh, we went into more detail on that in the last podcast, so we won't go into it again here. But um, yeah, what do you think of this match? ACH is great. Especially live. Yeah, he's Especially so much live.
4: fun. <laughs> I also think sportsmanship could be, should become a thing all across wrestling. Like any two wrestlers go for a handshake, the crowd should just shout sportsmanship. <laughs> <laughs>
3: There, there are a few great uh, chants on this show. My super nice guy was my favourite, but we'll, we'll come to that in a, oh, that in a cool, bit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, The match, I thought the match was um pretty good. Like, it was very high, high level of work rate, they both worked very hard, and there were a couple of very nice dives, a couple of spots which really got into. My big complaint would be that it felt really out of place, sort of waiting for the bigger attractions to come later and even at one point i thought like i was worried that the show was going to go long anyway coming in so i was almost like i kind of hope this match is short just to get it out of the way so i don't have to go home at midnight or whatever which we did (laughs) but that's a bad thing to think about for such a good match as it was
4: Yeah, I thought it was a perfect kind of second match on the card. Like, in the same way the first match was a perfect opener. This was... It was kind of the right length. It wasn't overly long or overly short. And yeah, ACH just throws in a Fosbury flop out of nowhere... Just because, you know... (laughs) and It's just that kind of match. It's a fun second match on the show.
3: Everyone, if they can... Should try and get to... Get out and see ACH live at least once. Because... As good as he is on TV... He definitely comes across even better live, especially in a in an intimate um, setting. I, like I kind of describe him as a really great small room wrestler, and I don't mean that as an insult, as that would kind of usually be be thrown out there. Um, but like he, the the intimacy really adds to the um, the ACH act. I think that's what I got from this.
4: Yeah, he's he's extremely charismatic. Like, yeah, it's just anything he does kind of pops.
3: Like he points
4: at the front of Martin Kirby's tights and shouts because he has a picture of Kirby in his tights. Kirby, I get it
5: now. <laughs> <laughs> he's
3: he's just so charming. It, it it's he's so easy to get behind. Uh, even in like a face versus face match here, it's he he's someone that uh, I was about to say pops off the screen. It wasn't on the screen for us in this case, but yeah, it ACH is great. Um. I was kind of sad to see him lose here because I thought he, he's losing so much in uh, Ring of Honour at the moment, I thought he'd come over to the UK, face a, with all due respect to Martin Kirby, not a, not a huge star on, even on the British scene. Um, he, he's good, but um, he's, he's not like upper echelon, I'd say. Um, I thought he'd be able to pick up a, a win that's been relatively elusive for him here, but no, um martin kirby picked up the win here um you think uh
4: maybe they had plans for chris travis like going forward and maybe they're kind of slotting martin kirby into that slot which is maybe why he won because i'm not sure how he did the the following night but it 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 would be odd to have him go over ach and then do nothing with him going forward
3: yeah he uh he avoided taking the pin in the freeway the following (laughs) night um kushida actually took a pin which again i found a bit strange um Maybe, like you said, they are planning on using him going forward, Um, because up to this point he hasn't been a regular roster member, but yeah, as you said, he could be um, slotted in where Travis was unfortunately meant to slot in, but can't now.
1: Mm. I thought the win for Kirby was very important to establish, but the imports could lose on the show. So both the first two matches end with the British team or British guy winning. That proves that later on, especially for the next match, which it was very important to get some semblance of um, suspension of disbelief for, to make it work. I thought that, that was absolutely necessary. Like, going in, you could have just put all the inputs o- imports over, but you really needed to establish that, you know, this could be an unpredictable night.
5: Yeah, I
3: guess. I guess Um, because we have had big Rev Pro shows before, where there've been, you know, four or five import matches, and every single one of them has been won by um, by either a Japanese guy or an American. Um, It's one of the 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 main criticisms you really see for Rev Pro. They they put on these fantastic super cards, but. All the British guys are doing. they uh, they're losing. But um, yeah. So yeah, I, I can't really complain too much about a British guy getting a win. Um, just just a bit sad to see my my boy ACH uh, get another one in the loss column. But uh, you 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 mentioned the uh, the next match. We'll, we'll move over to that now. Um, third match of the night. I was kind of surprised to see it on so early. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Big Demo in one of the few matches that had been hyped previously. Um, Nakamura was challenged by Demo after after he beat Roderick Strong and Demo had beat uh, Tomohiro Ishii on the last York Hall show. Um, this was built up as a pretty big match. Um, did it deliver for you guys?
4: I really liked it. Like, no, I've, I've not seen much of Demo. I've seen the Ishii match. That's that's the only Demo match I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't sure, because Ishii is a really good underdog, so I think he can carry nearly any big man to a good match when he's working that kind of underdog kind of match. So I was interested to see yeah, how he'd work with Knack, who I, I think of more as a better wrestler when he's not working as an underdog. When you think of like those Ibushi matches where he's kind of the, the old established veteran against the young upstart, kind of bullying him. Yeah, yeah. I think Knack is most interesting there as opposed to an underdog, but I thought this was a really good match.
1: Mm, really high quality, and Demo basically killed himself in this match to try and get the best match that he possibly could. And Nakamura, to be fair, rose up to his aca- ro- rose up to the occasion and rose up, uh, and risked a bit of himself there as well.
3: You say he uh, killed, him, killed himself to get a great match here. Well, <laughs> uh, this match for me was kind of, kind of, uh, I got kind of taken out of it by by two real horrific bumps. Um, one for each guy. They they kind of killed each other, almost. Um, the the first one was uh, Demo was lifting uh, Nakamura up for what looked like either an elevated uh, reverse DDT, like a scorpion death lock, drop kind of thing, or maybe he was going for an inverted suplex, the kind of thing um, Alberto Del Rio was doing in his, about his last year in WWE, but from the uh, turnbuckles. Um, so it was kind of like halfway between those two, and then it looked like he kind of slipped backwards, and he just impaled Nak Nakamura straight down on the back of it his head. Um, yeah, it looked awful. It it was mm. it was horrible. Um, you, you guys both c- clearly loved this match. From that point on, I was I was kind of taken out of it somewhat. I think me being on the balcony and having like a an overhead view. May have made that look even worse and maybe the reason I wasn't quite as high on this match as you guys were.
1: Well, I thought it played into the intensity of the match. It it started off a bit slowly, as Nakamura matches are wont to do. He tends to build his matches up and pace himself, essentially. But Damo's intensity throughout the match was high and maybe I'm a bit more of a, a Roman pleb wanting a bloodbath here, but kind of, I was into the two bad bumps. I thought it, like, it played into the intensity. It was a very New Japan G1 climax style match where they were just kind of knocking the crap out of each other and trying to see who was tougher.
4: Yeah, I kind of agree because, uh, as as horrible as it sounds, those two kind of terrible-looking bumps, kind of well, at least the first one, kind of dragged me more into the match. Like in retrospect, it sounds horrible because it's like he could have really badly been hurt, because <laughs> it yeah. and especially if you see it, you see it back, it looks nasty, doesn't it? Mm. Especially yeah. the way Nak Nakamura reacts to it, he, he's recoiling in pain. But I I do think it played into the intensity and like Damo's a large man. I don't think I don't think like a video does him justice for how large he is.
5: Because
4: mm. mm. I was sitting about two seats uh, next to the ramp and just seeing him, seeing him walk past you, it's like good lord. That man is gigantic <laughs> and extremely hairy. <laughs>
3: He's got a fantastic look. Yes, which look. Uh, Nakamura found out as he uh, he did his signature signature rope break, where he, he runs his head down down uh, <laughs> down his opponent's che- uh, chest and then onto his stomach, uh, and then after recoiled and pulling hair out of his teeth and uh, probably still yeah, hair. I, in I there. love that bit. I love that bit. Um, Uh, I mentioned um, two horrific bumps. The other one came right at the end when uh, Nakamura was making his final big comeback um, to set up the Bomber Ye. He he was doing his uh, inverted um, power slam. Inverted power slam, that's what it's called. I'm not the greatest move name guy. But um, as you said, Deimo was a huge man and Nakamura... Didn't seem to quite have the strength to get him over. I was amazed they even attempted this because it it just looked like an accident waiting to happen, and that's exactly what it turned out to be. Um, Damo didn't quite get all the way over. Um, his body kind of made the full rotation, but then his head clipped to the ground, and his body went over flat as it's supposed to on a inverted power slam. And Demo's neck was kind of like. In a kind of U shape, or it looked like that. Anyway, it was, mm. it was, uh, it was scary. Uh, definitely, uh, I'm probably not quite doing the, um, the, the image justice. You can go on to, um, if you follow Death to All Marks on Twitter, he's got gifs of both of the, um, the, 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 the botches. I guess you could call them botches. Um, as you said, they kinda of played into the story of the match in the end, but they they they're both scary.
1: On that point, do you think Damo did that intentionally? To raise the intensity.
3: No, no. I can't because I can't imagine. Because you can't can just take, looks so
1: dangerous. You can take a bump on your head. <laughs> I'm no wrestler here, yes. but it is you can but do it if... in a way that looks worse than it actually is.
4: And it was kind of the spot they built the match around as well, wasn't it? Because Knack went for that power slam once or twice as well.
3: Yeah. yeah. I can't just... imagine this was intentional. It To me, it just looked... the way, Especially the way they reacted to it. It could have just been an amazing job of selling, but I'm not sure it really paid off um, as... To my ears, at least, the crowd was kind of taken out of it a bit. I mean, you even had a, a following that, you had a, a one-count Bommier kick-out, and there wasn't a huge pop that you'd expect with that kind of thing. I I felt, from my position, that that was kind of because the crowd was still, you know, genuinely, genuinely worried about both men's safety, really.
4: I must say, I was totally into that one-count kick-out. Mm, like, I, I, like When you're watching the G1 And you see like four of them across the whole tournament You kind of groan when you start to see them
1: But then I see one live And I'm like ah! <laughs> Partly because you know The match is going to end in about ten seconds As well so yep, you know that that is, that Everything is, that, that happens afterwards is significant
4: The trademark New Japan formula Isn't it mm-hmm. That big kick out immediately followed by the finish
1: And kind of speaking of that Do we think that Demo could have potentially earned himself a spot in on a New Japan card in the future.
5: Um. Well,
3: I guess a lot of it might come down to whether that spot was intentional or not. Because my my I hadn't even thought it could have been intentional, but you you guys seem to think it, it's a possibility. Um. If that wasn't intentional,
1: both Nakamura and Hanahashi, um were, were tweeting him afterwards, and jovially, like, oh, I've still got hair stuck in my mouth or whatever. So I don't think Nakamura was pissed off or anything, but he landed on his head.
4: Yeah, and I think with the style, those style guys work, I, I don't think they'd necessarily hold uh, something like that against him.
3: I don't know, like, if I was, <laughs> if I was Gator watching that, seeing uh, this guy maybe it's harsh to say he's sloppy that's the only move i've ever really seen in botch and you know as you guys said it could have not been a botch but if it was me watching that and i was a booker and seeing how he was handling my my huge stars um i i wouldn't say it would be a a plus mark for him um i after watching this show I, i i didn't my immediate thought wasn't oh well Damo's definitely earned himself a spot on the New Japan roster after that match or the match the following night against Tanahashi. Um not the same way like I thought when I'd seen the uh, Roderick Strong matches from Ring of Honor's joint tour with New Japan.
4: But you can see how Damo would be a wrestler more up kind of New Japan's alley than Roderick Strong would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, New um, Japan don't exactly... They, they do like their big men. Yeah, they don't exactly hold it against smaller guys, but they still do have kind of a preference for bigger guys.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Emo uh, is definitely a bigger guy. He is quite large. Right, so if that's all we have to say on that match, that will lead us to the fourth match of the night, which was uh, an old new Japan match. We got uh, refereed by Tiger Hattori here, um, and featured... Okada and Gedo going up against Tanahashi and Liger, who, perhaps surprisingly, maybe not so surprisingly, given his uh, background, I thought Liger was, over the weekend, perhaps the most over guy on all the shows.
4: Yeah, I was actually surprised. Tanahashi, of the four, seemed to be the least over of them. Or at least on on the uprising, because Liger got a big reaction and Okada and Gedo got a big reaction. It's not like they they didn't give... Tanahashi reaction at all, but the other two were clearly the more popular.
1: I feel like Tanahashi hasn't gotten over in the West as much as Okada and Nakamura have. Um, I guess he's just not that like outwardly charismatic. He's he's very charismatic in like a Japanese way, if that makes any sense.
4: <laughs> and I don't think any of his yeah. performances
1: have been really like top shelf over here either, have they? Yeah,
3: no, that's another no. fact. He, he's done a lot of a lot of good work, but never really, um, never really looked like the star he is. It, um, it's very much
4: kind of a show Tanahashi as opposed to kind of main event Tanahashi. He's in body conservation mode, which you can't blame
3: Understandable. him. Understandable. He's got a uh, he's got a, a dome show to prepare for, not not a million miles away, and here he is working in front of you know. Even though it was a sold out show. I think the capacity is only about 1,200, which is, you know, that's a. He probably works several of them a week. Mm. Size-wise, when he's over in Japan, so you can, you can understand at the very least why he's not going out there, um, trying to, kill it.
1: Speaking of the dome show, I was, uh, going crazy over him having the briefcase. I didn't, genuinely, didn't think he'd bring it over. <laughs> A very small detail, but uh, I appreciate it.
4: Must be a pain going through customs.
1: (laughs) Keeps his lunch in there.
3: The most elaborate um, kids' lunchbox ever. Yeah, Batista would love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really enjoyed this match, to be honest. Um, It's not like something you're going to see on any match of the year polls or anything come the end of the year, it's it, it wasn't even one of the strongest work-rate matches of the night, but um, just seeing these four interact, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think maybe contrary to what you'd expect, the two guys who came off looking best here were the, the two juniors, Liger and Gato.
1: I'd probably disagree on that one, actually, because even though their interactions were limited, the okada Tanahashi stuff, I know it was just, like, preliminary stuff, but just seeing those two wrestle in front of my eyes, pretty special because you know in a few months time they're gonna be headlining the dome. They did it this year and like that rivalry is now like almost legendary at this stage. It's the best rivalry of our times in wrestling. So yeah, that was more special to me, although I did enjoy seeing Ghetto and Lyga definitely.
4: Yeah, Okada and Tanahashi kind of kept just a sprinkle of their kind of magic.
1: Yeah, just they, they te- had, just teases.
4: Yeah, just kind of uh, run through a few of their kind of trademark sequences, or is it, it was it was more kind of Ghetto's match.
5: Mm.
3: Maybe I've kind of gone numb to it from seeing all the multi mans um, <laughs> with these two in. But you you got the um, your rain early rainmaker attempt, duck hunt duck under, dragon suplex attempt countered, mm-hmm. drop kick attempt. Hold on to the ropes so it doesn't hit it, and then it was that was almost it. You saw from these two, um, but they I'm not saying they didn't look very good, um, they they did, they look like the stars that they clearly are. But, um, I, I was really maybe not surprised as Liger always seems to turn it to another level when he's over here in the UK, but, um. I, I was I was happy to see how 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 great Liger and Gato looked. Gato was great though, wasn't he? I love Gato. I,
4: I miss I missed those kind of heels.
5: Hundred
3: um, percent. His crowd interaction, his crowd interaction, like his English clearly, it's not perfect, but you couldn't tell it from uh, from this. He, he was. Um, he was interacting with with the crowd better than most of the native English speakers were on this show.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of stuff you appreciate when you're in there live watching it, as opposed to just on TV. He's
4: kind of the perfect slimeball heel. Old, grizzled better, doesn't
3: care anymore.
4: And Liger, Liger desperately didn't want to shake his hand either.
5: <laughs> <No>.
3: <laughs> I love that spot. I love that spot.
4: Yeah, it was amazing. He just has faith in us He is he, his faith in us Let him down We encouraged him to get his eyes poked
3: We should probably explain What that um, that spot actually was
4: uh, Basically uh, Ghetto asked for a handshake And LIGO was extraordinarily reluctant
3: Wisely so Yeah, Ghetto
4: reassured us that he was a super nice guy
3: And the crowd Completely took to that
4: Yeah, he, he was very convincing
3: uh, we we had um, a huge super nice guy chant uh, <laughs> at at that show, and then as he was as Gator was making his entrance the next night over in Reading, uh, that chant resurfaced. So uh, you yeah, that's that's the way to get over.
4: You should adopt it as his nickname.
3: <laughs> super nice guy Gato.
4: Poke you in the eye.
3: It probably doesn't sound as great. Uh, as <laughs> no. was just talking about it. Maybe it doesn't quite come across, but. Uh, if you if you see the VOD, it's uh, it was great. It was just Ghetto's just fun to watch,
1: mm-hmm. and he was when the star he's, of a match,
3: and when he when he's got the the spotlight on him um, in a way that he he doesn't a lot of the time, I you know he's almost always playing um, just like a the, the Okada's tag partner who's who's not the focus, but seeing him with the focus on here, he's He's great. He's great.
4: And it's just super cool seeing Okada, Tanahashi, and Liger in the same match. Just staring into the ring, and those three are right in front of your eyes. It's You can't even believe
3: it. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys noticed this, but as um, as Okada was... Uh, sorry, Tanahashi was making his way into the ring, Okada just refused to look at him. I thought that little touch was just, mm. just lovely. Was like he um, was looking everywhere apart from where Tanahashi was.
5: And- the
1: New Japan guys tend to be able to do that stuff better than just about anyone else. Just the little touches that make character interactions so much more interesting. Like it's not overt, yeah, but they it's never, there.
3: They never, they never stop working. You know, like a lot of the t- a lot of guys when they're standing in the ring, waiting for their opponents to come to the ring, they kind of just stand there, but Okada's clearly still, you know, he's still working. And, you know, as you said, it's those little things that really, really add to well, this upcoming Dome match, I guess.
4: And even just Mm. the way Okada carries himself, he just has has kind of an inherent swagger about him. He just seems so cool all the time.
3: So yeah, uh... Tanahashi eventually picked up the win here, if I'm remembering correctly.
4: Yep. Is that right? and yeah. Gedo, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. Um, yep. Okada had the advantage over Liger for much of the match, but um, it eventually ended up with Tanahashi and Gedo in the ring together. And uh, although Gedo fought valiant, valiantly, um, he uh, well, if uh, you count low blows and uh, high pokes as valiant. Then uh, yeah, he fought valiantly, um, but eventually, as you kind of expect, uh, fell fell to the high fly flow, and that was the last match for intermission,
5: right?
4: It was interesting that uh, Nakamura, Okada, and Tanahashi all went on before inter- intermission. It was it was kind of structured as kind of two mini two mini cards. Like, the first four matches and the the last four matches could almost act as two kind of mini four-match shows of their own. Yeah. Mm. So if you think of kind of Nakamura, Deimo as the kind of semi-main, and then Tanahashi, Nokada, and Fliger and Ghetto as kind of the main event of the first half of the show, and then the second half of the show kind of acted on as its own little four-match card as well.
3: I mean, up to, if if you're looking at it like that, the, the, the first half, it was a fun fun little um, an hour and a half or whatever not sure how long exactly it went but um, the second half was really where it it kicked on and um, went from being a fun show to a a really really great show so the first match on the second half of the card was the rematch from the Best of the Super Juniors final uh, this year and that was Kyle O'Reilly versus Kushida in a match that well, last time we saw it was amazing. Um, had a lot of hype going in, and I think delivered a hundred percent. This was fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. This was an honor to see live, to be honest, because New Japan they don't throw these kind of bones to uh, like their overseas partners much. So to get such a big rematch, like it main evented one of their tours one of their tournaments uh, to get a rematch. That's big. And you feel like with the result it went O'Reilly's way, they're going to do a third match, and they're probably going to play into this show for that match. So to be part of the New Japan story is, yeah, it's an honor to have seen it in person.
4: It was the perfect kind of post-intermission match as well. You know, People are still kind of sluggish and finding their seats and kind of distracted a little from intermission, whereas it was kind of a masterfully built match where it started slow and then built up to the, mm. the exchanges of submissions and near falls. So it was kind of perfect to kind of re-engage the crowd after intermission.
1: The crowd were very quiet at the start, and I was a bit worried that people didn't like get the style or that they didn't get O'Reilly or, or Kushida. And there was a spot with... O'Reilly, where he healed it up a bit, where he grabbed the ropes several times and played up and played up to the booze, which was almost like he was trying to get a reaction out of the crowd, just to wake them up a little bit and get them behind Kushida. Um, But yeah, I think, especially towards the end, the crowd really, really got into this, and it was more like a quiet, intense, almost Japanese-style into it, rather than American just chanting random shit and see what sticks.
3: Yeah, this this was the sort of match I just love. Um, it it's it's a very technical technical style of match. Um, a lot of mat work, a lot of limb targeting, a lot of flowing counters, and this was all just so smooth. Um, I know a lot of people enjoy um, the the work Thatcher and Busick and Gulak are doing. Um, but for me, this is the sort of um, technical wrestling that I really enjoy, and this was as good as it gets in that
5: department.
4: Where the, the likes of Thatcher leave me kind of cold is that they they do all kind of the groundwork, but it never really builds to anything. Whereas if you watch Colorado and Kushida, you, that match was masterfully structured to start slow and then build up to the the mm-hmm. big kind of submission exchanges right at the end.
1: But the exchanges, the exchanges, just. Wow, <laughs> they were eye popping, and um, like the entire last five minutes of the match, it could have gone either way, and it could have ended at any moment. And I love that in wrestling when it feels like a contest and not just a dance. When it feels like anyone could win at any moment, obviously not at the start of a match because you got to build up to that kind of point. But they nail, like you say, they nailed the build of this one to make those last few minutes so exciting, and Kashida's great at that at making making you think he's always going to get out of it, because he just seems so resilient, and he he always comes across like he's going to escape, so it was almost like a shock when O'Reilly finally managed to just lock in a submission and keep him there until he passed out.
4: Makes me all the more mad they took the junior title off of him.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. Anyway. Mm. Um... These two, their chemistry together is just so good. This was the definition of a must-see match. You you have to go out of your way to see this. This is going to turn up in Match of the Year polls. It, it's firmly embedded in my top ten so far, and it's going to have to be a, a hell of an end of the year for it not to get my, uh, a vote in my my uh, ballot for the Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year poll. Um... Was it as good as the best of the Super Juniors final for me? Not quite. I'm not sure what you guys think.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say. It, I'd say it was literally a hair below. It was just as I would give them both four and a half. Um, but I would give. I would give the Super Juniors a slight edge just because of the occasion. It went a bit longer. Um, I have issues with that match, especially with the spot calling, which made would make John Cena blush. But, um. Yeah. I mean, Kushida was concussed. <laughs> you can,
3: they they, they had a bit of an excuse there.
1: Yeah. I Even with that said, I think just the occasion of the Super Juniors slightly put it over the top. But this was a big occasion as well, especially if you're a British wrestling fan, just seeing a match like this But would be... It is important to New Japan. It's a protected match. I mean, they're not just going to throw this out all the time. So to see it live and to see... O'Reilly get the win back. Yeah, that was very special.
4: Yeah, they one one now. We need a blow off match. Mhm.
3: And the way it ended, it definitely felt like they were building to a blow off. Kashida, mm, he rolled back into the win because uh, O'Reilly eventually picked up the win with his guillotine, um, guillotine choke. So yeah, um, O'Reilly eventually picks up the win. Uh, as Kashida passes out and uh, the ref calls for the bell, and then O'Reilly's let's go, Kashida. You know, after a while, com- comes back to gets up and has a go- bit of a go at the referee, saying, "I never tapped out, I never tapped out." Um, then you got a, you know, O'Reilly saying, "Right, that's me beating you, you beating me. It's we're going to do this again one time, <laughs> and man, I'm looking forward to that third encounter because this was this was." Great, This was great. Um,
1: match of the night.
3: Match of the weekend for me. I prefer oh, yeah, the main yeah. event.
1: Okay, we'll yeah. get to that. We will.
3: <laughs> Very different style of match. The main event. Yeah, hugely um, different. Yeah. <laughs> um, main event was a lot more spotty. Um, but also, I I could see the argument that it was more exciting. Um, but both matches were tremendous um in terms of a comparison to the the best of the super juniors final that these two had this was definitely felt wrestled more like a, a mid-card match the um the super juniors final was you know it, it definitely felt like a main event it was wrestled like a main event um while this it was um that they, they made it easier to follow If that makes sense.
4: Yeah, the the Super Juniors main event, they were very much going for that kind of big, epic feel. Whereas this one felt more like kind of a a more intimate contest between the two, as opposed to like this big, epic tournament main event.
3: But that said, you have to see this match. It's probably going to end up on New Japan World, maybe a month or so from now, if the the Ring of Honor shows or anything to go by. Um, and if that does happen, you need to watch this because this was just special. If you can't wait, it's up on um, Red on Demand, uh, RPW on right now. You can purchase it. The whole show's uh, I think it's thirteen dollars, twelve dollars. It's nine pound. I I don't quite know the conversion, but yeah, this this was special. Um, not quite what I'd say is the best match I've ever seen live, but it's definitely number two just behind Osprey Styles. Right, um, so moving on, uh, we talked about how um, this, the uh, Kushida O'Reilly, they wrestled it as a way that it was possible to follow, but at the same time, anytime you're following a match that good, you're, you're going to have um, quite the challenge. Um, and that challenge was for Mark Haskins going against Los Ingo uh, I probably botched that completely, but uh, <laughs> Tetsuya Naito.
4: See,
1: I totally avoid saying it. That's the way to avoid being embarrassed. El Ingo Benable, I... Tetsuya Naito. Look who's showing off. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. <sighs> I'm the only person who can say it, and I'll wear that with pride.
3: It's probably not even that hard to say, it's just most people on Voices of Wrestling can't pronounce anything.
4: I did German in (laughs) school, I have an excuse. As
5: as
3: did I, as did I. If it was
4: German I'd be able to pronounce it.
3: I'm not sure I would be able to, but I'd say I could pronounce it, maybe. Don't ask me to. But getting back to Haskins Naito, Naito was full-on, full-on heel here. He had the suit, he had the mask, and I just love this.
1: Mm-hmm. Loved it. I mean, <laughs> I love the gimmick, I love the mask, I love the attitude. Yeah, I could I could just go on about the things that I love about um the new Naito. Second, standing atop the stage. Oh, it's just amazing. And seeing people who didn't, like, realise what was going on, Kind of try and figure it out. That was good as well. It was a perfect way to kind of blow off the Kashida O'Reilly match and cool down and focus energy onto this just despicable character.
4: Because the people wanted to cheer Naito, didn't they? And he made sure they didn't.
5: Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, right,
3: right from his entrance, because he he takes forever to step through the curtain. And when he does, he just stands there, not moving at all, just like one step through the curtain, waiting there for about 30 seconds to a minute, somewhere in there. It, it People are cheering him, and he's just waiting. And he just waits, and he waits, and he waits. And eventually they stop cheering
5: <laughs>
3: and start booing, and he's still just standing there, not doing anything. And it was it's just...
1: just- he had the it's in the palm of his hands. We've never seen anything like it before, and yeah, seeing it live, just amazing. <laughs> and then Mark Haskins just runs straight to the ring. like
4: Literally no nonsense, straight down the ramp.
3: It was it was a great contrast, it was a great contrast. Um, I really loved what Haskins did here. Um, he he, he kind of wrestled the kind of match... I was expecting to see Shibata vessel um, uh, recently when he went against Naito. Um, no nonsense, kick the shit out of Naito, not stand for any of his shit. It, w- it was it was exactly the sort of um, match where the, the two personalities really play, played off of each other brilliantly.
1: I thought actually the their connection wasn't that strong. Both individually, they were strong, but kind of the match didn't flow as well as it could have.
4: I don't think Naito has quite worked out how to wrestle is his style yet, because it, it's a big shift. Because he was known for being really explosive and all his high flying stuff, and now he's shifting to stalling the hell out of everything he does. So I, I think it will take him a little longer kind of to work out how exactly he should wrestle matches.
3: That said. I oh no, it was a really good I alone match, really but I think
4: Naito still, Naito still has a little way to I go, or he can really kind of refine the act fully.
3: Uh, I he's got the the parts down, like the 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 mannerisms, the walk to the ring, the 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 look, the the spitting on kids in the crowd. Um, Which is
4: what every heel should do.
3: It was it was quite the shot. He uh, he was standing in the middle of the ring. Uh, he turns around, spits out spit goes flying into the second second row, hits the kid right in the face. Uh, unfortunately, they they kind of missed it on VOD. You can see him actually spitting, but you can't see the uh, the actual hit. But uh, <laughs> it was it was quite something. Uh, one of the best reaction of the of the night. <laughs> Poor kid. Um, but yeah, I was going somewhere with that point, I can't remember exactly where, but yeah, I think Naito's got the the, the little things down, but as you said, maybe his, um, in terms of his matches are kind of in, in conflict um, with putting on um, such a great heel, um, his heel mannerisms um, you know he's previously been so well known for having such great flowing matches, and then it's almost in direct conflict with what he's trying to do now.
4: Haskins, Haskins, in fairness, we talked a lot about Haskins. Uh, or Naito, Haskins was very good in this match as well. Is uh, as we said, he kind of he did play the perfect contrast to Naito. He didn't just you know have a, a regular Mark Haskins match. He actually reacted to what Naito was doing, and he was kind of. At least tried to be as good a
3: foil as he could be.
5: Naito
4: mm-hmm.
3: as he could be. The one criticism I'd have of this match was it didn't really have a hot finishing sequence. Um, it, the, fi- the finish kept, felt kind of flat. You know, it'd been a, a very back and forth match throughout, but then at one point Naito just got got took the advantage and then hit the uh, the Destino, and that was mm-hmm. it done. Um, I was wondering whether that was kind of like a... I'm not sure if you got this same feel, but it, maybe it was kind of intentional in that it kind of fits into Naito's new character to have like a, a cold finish to his matches when he's winning. Because I remember his G1 matches were kind of like that as well,
4: weren't they? Especially like the Tanahashi match, where he did literally just hit his finish and he won. There wasn't really much build to it, he just, kind of, he just won.
1: It, yeah, maybe so yeah, it might it be kind of a be, thing he's going for. Yeah, it could be a meta thing. I will say that um, the Destino is spectacular. Like, as you say, when he first hit it on Tanahashi, I think they kind of botched it and it didn't look very good. But live looked tremendous. And yeah, it's a perfect finisher for him because it's kind of both his old style and his new, kind of vicious, but also kind of high-flying. I really like it.
3: And also the perfect counter for the Rainmaker. (laughs) It's almost custom-made... To um, for a, an eventual Okada-Naito match for the title, hopefully in 2016, after um, Okada's finally closed the book on his
4: Tanahashi rivalry. Until Tanahashi beats him again and we all facepalm.
3: We, we all go, oh, well, I was 100% sure who Okada was going to win <laughs> this year, but... And again, I did say the same the year before. The last two times so... they wrestled each
4: other at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who
3: knows? Uh, I, I'd say I'm sure this time, but I was sure last time. So, right. So, um, second to last match uh, was a no DQ match for the Cruiserweight Championship, uh, and that was Jimmy Havoc going up against Josh Bonham. Um, Garrett, have you um, been watching the RevPro TVs, or did you go into this match kind of um, um, kind of blind, in a way? I went in blind. I intended to watch the
4: RevPro TVs, and then I didn't.
3: <laughs> Too busy watching TNA.
4: <laughs> yeah, TNA consumes your life, clearly.
1: I will say that um, the Havoc Bodum stuff from RevPro TV has been very good, very strong, and they've built this match up genuinely very well. It's kind of, It's been their main storyline On that show And uh, Havoc is excellent He's got his character down to a T He lives the gimmick So, And it's almost like Bodum feeds off of that energy Bodum has really been helped By this one, he's found himself a little bit By being able to work an Extended program with A veteran like Havoc who's so sure of himself
4: It was easy than most he did match On the show as well like in terms of like organic heat, people were like this is the only match they really cared about going in, as opposed to you know just wanting to see one of the big Japanese names.
3: Mm. It was while a lot of the other matches felt like a, a a grand spectacle, this this one was like um, well it really it really benefited from the build it had had on TV and clearly enough of the crowd had seen the uh, the YouTube show that they were invested in it. And you only really need, like, 10% of a a crowd to to know the storyline going in and to be really invested in it. And then that energy will kind of spread out through everyone there. And uh, I think that's what happened here. That said, I wasn't entirely enamoured with this match. I had fairly high expectations going in, but it kind of just ended up being, you know, your standard plunder match.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's the thing with with these kind of matches. They're 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 either kind of the kind of heated, bitter brawls which you'd prefer to see, or it's just guys hitting each other with stuff, which too many matches fall into the trap of. And this was a little more of the latter than the former.
1: Yeah, there was no story in this match, which was disappointing since the whole build was story, and I was expecting maybe a few more spots that called back to it or kind of a build to the match. But instead, it was just kind of garbage. Um, My review of 90% is everyone was standing up for the entire match and I did not see most of it.
4: <laughs> Especially when they went into the bar.
1: When they, Yeah, no one saw that apart from like five people and the people on demand. But yeah, even when they were back in the ring I could barely see because everyone was standing up. So I needed a sit-down gun, evidently. That would
4: be nice to have at wrestling shows, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just shoot people to make them sit down. <laughs>
1: I mean, I I saw just a little bit of... I think it was Havoc who went through the TV. This is how unsure I am of a match. i not really in any good position to judge the match because I saw very little of it. But from what I did, it was kind of just hitting each other with items. And then Revolutionists came out and hit a very disappointing end, just a spine buster into the Thumbtacks, which I didn't see the Thumbtacks. <laughs> and yeah, that was it. And I don't know if they're going to continue this, or if that is the end, that's a very disappointing end.
4: I assumed that they were kind of setting up Havoc coming back with partners to take down the revolutionists.
3: That's kind of what it felt like, but...
1: Havoc doesn't really work with people.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The build for this match had kind of felt like this was going to be a big definitive chapter, and have such a deflating finish, really... Especially in the
4: semi-main event as well.
3: Yeah, like... Because there's like, a
4: huge vote of confidence in them to, exactly. to go semi-main on a show with uh, Nakamura and Okada and Tanahashi. When, when
3: Bodum was coming out, uh, I, I was sat next to uh, Arn, and uh, I turned to him and said, yeah, I said that. <laughs> Above Okada and Tanahashi, <laughs> it's... and Nakamura, yeah. It, it's... It was quite the vote of confidence, and... I'm not sure it really delivered the way the build had set it up to, um, as, a, as a garbage brawl, it was a good one, but yeah, it was that's fine. all it was, you know, it was a good plunder match, it was fine, but I'm not really going to remember it. And you've seen a million of them now. at this stage as well. Yeah.
4: Mm. It's like every abyss match, basically
3: basically, and you've probably seen a lot of them. As you said, it could set up a a further match down the line with um, maybe a three-on-three match um, with Havoc finding two partners, but I don't know. It's kind of taken the steam out of the rivalry for me.
1: Yeah. Like, after so many fuck finishes earlier, I kind of wanted a definitive finish here, even if it was Bodom going over Havoc clean, I wouldn't have minded. I don't know. (laughs) that basically sums up the whole match yeah
3: yeah, yeah. thankfully um, the show really bounced back with the main event which was um, the British Heavyweight Championship match, Uh, champion AJ Styles going up against uh, probably the two currently most well known uh, British scene wrestlers if you're not counting Sabre Jr which probably shouldn't at that this point because he wrestles way more in Japan and USA. Um Will Osprey and Marty Skill. And this was a fantastic match. Um we all knew going in that AJ Styles is good at freeways um probably you more than most Garrett but um he was yeah. the shining
4: light in years of watching TNA. <laughs> this is soul redeeming quality. This was the
3: uh, this was tremendous. Um it started off, um, it, it's there. If I could speak properly, um, it didn't start too promisingly. Um, it kind of fell into the two guys in the ring, one guy overselling on the outside, waiting for his turn to get back into the ring. But about five or six minutes in, it really kicked it up a gear and from there was just fantastic all the way through.
4: Yeah, When AJ Styles, who is like arguably the best wrestler on planet Earth, when he's the third most impressive person in a match through no fault of his own, you know you have a really good match on your hands. Because Osprey and Skrull were absolutely tremendous here, and obviously Styles is as great as he always is.
1: Yeah, just a crazy match from start to finish, really. Um, it felt much more like a dance than the Kashida O'Reilly match, which felt like a battle, like a back-and-forth battle. This felt like It felt choreographed, definitely, but I'm not going to mark it down for that because it was legitimately awesome just seeing these guys all in a ring together doing what they do best, which is crazy stunts and great, intriguing wrestling that you just want to see more and more of and jump up and down for.
4: Skrull really impressed me in this match, actually, because I haven't seen much of Skrull in the last couple of years. Because the last Red Pro Show I went to was the Uprising match where he made a vented against Tanahashi. in what was a good match, but it wasn't you know anything worth going out of your way to see. But Skrull seemed like the, the complete package in this match. He's kind he's, of the glue that
1: held it together. He's come on a lot since then, like getting the character, the villain character down, getting his mannerisms down. Really becoming, like I say, a complete package, as well as being a good wrestler, which he's even improved on that. I'd say now he's a great wrestler and is so much more confident to the point where he can just stand shoulder to shoulder with AJ Styles and not look at all out of place.
3: I think the easy comparison here is um, the the unbreakable freeway with um, Styles, Daniels and Joe, um, but it, it it did feel kind of in the same vein as that match it was that good um, Styles is clearly very good at planning out matches, I think that's probably one of his greatest strengths um, but as you said he wasn't like head and shoulders above uh, Osprey or Skrull here, as you said I probably think he, he may have looked the worst or it's probably better to say look the least best here, because um, yeah. Osprey and Skull, some of the some of the sequences these two guys had together, or or even all three of them having a sequence together, they were just jaw dropping. Um, if you, if you loved the the Unbreakable Freeway, which most people did, you will love this match.
4: Yeah, particularly that sequence that ended in the Pele, the sequence of strikes. Oh yeah, just all so, the, the kicks. Yeah, mind blowing. And then when uh, Osprey just ran wild with the dive all <laughs> the ring post, the, the Sami Zayn through the turnbuckle oh, wow. DDT, and the Red Arrow. It's just like that. That's actually my uh, my only negative on that match is I think it peaked after that Osprey flurry. The that finish was really good, honest. but when Osprey just ran wild, you know that was the moment. Where, where I don't even when he eventually wins the belt, which you assume he will. I don't think he'll quite capture that same kind of pure magic when he ran wild there.
1: I mean, he, he I just think... he defied logic in that sequence, diving over the, the the ring post, and then just two seconds later he's on the other side. Just tremendous.
3: It, that is kind of a problem for, for a few of Osprey's matches in that they kind of peak early. Um, I had the same sort of mild critique for his uh, match against Haskins in at Progress um, from earlier last month, um, but that's that's a, that's a very mild, a mild criticism for a match that was so outstanding. And it's not like the finish in any way was bad. Oh no, um, it was
4: a great finish. It was a really inventive finish.
3: Because you had, uh, I can see if I can remember it now. Yeah, Styles um, was in the chicken wing. Styles was in the chicken wing, and...
4: Uh, Osprey came out of the corner with a kind of a springboard cutter. He yeah. took out Skrull with the cutter, and then Styles caught his feet with the Styles Clash.
3: And you know that the the easiest way to describe this match is it's very gifable or oh, GIF-able. yeah. <laughs> I know GIF. it should be GIF, but it,
4: everyone it, says GIF. It's like it's, meme at this stage.
5: Yeah,
3: yeah, um, <laughs> and anyway, it it it's a match that you can take out little bits of it and view it as a GIF, and it's uh, amazing, like, each little sequence, but it really flowed together well as well.
4: Like I'll happily admit this kind of style is, like, right up my street. It's the kind of style that that got me hooked on TNA in the first place in the X Division. Kind of very similar to that style. So this was right up my street. That's what's to blame. Yeah, they hooked me with good wrestling, and then it's like,
3: well... Nasty boys!
1: (laughs) Every Styles Clash tease... Now is just everyone on their feet. Everyone recognizes what the move means—death. Well, not hopefully, not literally death, but death of the <laughs> match. <laughs> um, just everyone reacts. They've to got it, it over Huge.
3: to a rainmaker level, yeah.
1: Yeah, and just the what the creative ways they got into that position, and eventually the satisfying end of the match where he finally hit it—just oh, so good.
4: I was interested to see uh, Osprey took the fall. Oh yeah, which was interesting as opposed to Marty.
3: Yeah, I I was I was going in expecting Osprey to win here, um, so you know the the two um, the two situations I foresaw were because as you said I think Osprey ultimately that has to be the way they're going Osprey eventually winning the belt because at this point he's kind of the home the biggest homegrown star for them um, Marty's already have the belt he's the Goes closest to him, um, dropped it to Styles. I was expecting here Osprey to pin Skrull, and then you know that's their way of getting round not having um, Styles drop a fall. Um, but no, um, Osprey took the Styles splash and ate a pin in the centre of the ring. One, two, three. I was thinking if that was going to happen. Then it would have happened to Marty, and then you could have had a a one on one between Styles and Osprey, and then um, i am I'd say logically you might have Osprey beat Styles one on one that would be the story they'd want to tell, think, but I'm not sure if they can have that happen
1: I think now now that Styles has won this freeway, you have to have him lose the singles match to lose the belt now, which could be in a while um. I think they'll have to coordinate that with New Japan somehow, so that he's not in a position where he can't lose. Like, maybe they take him out of He's obviously a full-time member of the New Japan roster now, but if he's not in title contention at that particular point where he loses the belt, I think it would be okay. But I don't think he can just do another triple threat. He kind of had the conditions to take the title off him now. He didn't. That's good. I think it's the good move, because they have more dates with him. He's a big star big draw and they want to position him as a top guy and give him an even bigger win to somebody else down the line i think now though it has to be a singles win and not just losing it through someone else getting pinned
3: yeah because they mentioned after the um well stars mentioned after the his win uh he got on the mic and said there's nowhere in the world he prefers performing than York Hall, that could have just been kissing up but he he did seem to, gen- he, over the years he has seemed to generally genuinely love performing in front of the UK fans um, and he he said he's g- the Rev Pro is going to be seeing a lot more of him um, perhaps we're, we're just going to be in for a very long Styles title reign because Rev Pro is in a period of expansion, they're trying to um, um, get a foothold in both Portsmouth and Reading and a few other cities. They're they're going into and um, Styles, he's definitely a good guy to have on the posters. If you can get him for the dates, then um, he can be your poster boy, and um, that's not going to be a bad a bad route for them to take.
4: Yeah, Styles is a recognizable face, and then he'll deliver for you in the ring, as opposed to
1: some people who might not be as reliable in that regard. Yeah. You
4: can stick Styles in the main event with practically anybody, and he'll have a good match. Mm.
1: He'll draw both the casual, oh, it's that guy from TNA audience, and the hardcore, yes, this is one of the best wrestlers in the world, audience.
3: And with TNA being, well, at the time Styles was there until he, he, he left, TNA was a pretty big thing over here in the UK with Challenge. Um, and it still kind t- of is. It still kind of is, but to a lesser degree now. Yeah, the, the um,
4: numbers are dwindling,
3: but um, you know it's it's on free TV over here um, compared to WWE, where you um, it's locked behind a pay window. Um, but uh, so TNA for a long time was a bigger drawing, bigger ratings than WWE in the UK. So um, maybe even more so than in the states, building around Styles is. It's a good move. It's a good move. If they, if they, I was, I was still surprised to see him not drop the title here. Even if he becomes a, um, he kind of cycles out of the the higher end picture in New Japan. It looks like he's going to win the title over in Ring of Honor in December. So then that's another reason they won't want him (laughs) losing clean singles. Uh, I don't know. Unless New Japan are going to get really behind Osprey in a way, which I can't really see happening. Um, I can see them using him for a best of the super juniors and maybe even one day down the line being a junior champion for them. But, you know, that's uh, that's far from being on a level with where AJ is over there. It, you, it, it's it, definitely interesting going forward. you think they would a lot of people kind
4: of suggesting Styles Nakamura as the, the Dome match this year, you'd think they'd want to protect Styles at least until then. mm mm-hmm. And then when you think, if he wins the Ring of Honor title in December, that creates even more of a problem for Red Pro, because you think, well, they'll wait until after January after the, the Dome, and then he'll drop the title. But then if he has the Ring of Honor title, it creates kind of political tor- turmoil.
3: Yeah, yeah. Although... um I guess if you have, if they have him, have a long reign, and at this point, after retaining here, I think he will be holding the title for a fair amount of time at the very least, um, easily past December, probably till at least February. Well, maybe he would even be dropping, the summer of next he'll year.
1: He will drop the belt at a York Hall show if he's going to drop it at so, all. So
3: that's probably going to be February, February June, or, or June next year. Yeah, or even you know a whole year from now, who knows? Um, but by that time, maybe enough time would have passed that they could do another freeway, but it <laughs> it wouldn't feel as as natural as it did here. They kind of um, they did a good job of setting up the Osprey Skull Styles freeway in in a way that felt organic and didn't feel like just a, a clear way to go. Well, this is how we get the belt off Styles, which obviously it didn't end up happening, um, as Styles kept the belt, but um, it could it could feel very um, telegraphed if they do put him in another freeway in main event um, as a way to get the belt off him without taking a pin. But yeah, um, this was a tremendous match, as we've mentioned, another match well worth going out of your way to see. Um, I think Garrett might have been slightly higher on it than both of us, but... Um,
4: I was giddy after the show.
3: <laughs>
4: I was, like, bouncing up and down after this match.
3: You know, like...
1: Um, I was bouncing up and down during the match, so, yeah.
3: All of us would say it's must-see. I think that's... that's I'm safe in saying
1: that. Mm. But I would only put it third on the weekend, behind Kashida, O'Reilly, and tomorrow night or the night after um the Osprey Okada singles match.
3: I had it I had it um, slightly above the Okada um Osprey singles match. Um, partly due to the crowd reaction the as we mentioned the York Hall show really it had more of a buzz than the, the Reading show the following night. Not that the Reading show had a bad crowd, but um, yeah, we all love this match. Um, this is a show with two must-see matches. It it's well worth going out if you wait to see.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely easiest recommendation since Wrestle Kingdom for me.
3: Even if you have to pay for the on-demand, you
4: you won't regret it. Just just for those two matches, not mentioned like Naito's performance or or Nakamura and Demo, or even just seeing A, a-, a- C H be super charismatic. Just for the main event and already uh, Kushida. More than worth the money.
3: Yep. Um, thanks for listening so far. We'll see you on the other side with uh, where I'll be joined by Rue Gunn, uh, Voice of Wrestling SmackDown reviewer, and regular co host, Arnold Furious.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Global Wars UK section of, uh, of this podcast. Um, Rob is ill. Um, but originally it was supposed to be Rob, uh, myself, I'm Arnold Furious, hello, and Rue Gunn, uh, but Rue's also ill, um, so with me is Ollie Court.
1: Hello, uh, terrible luck to have so many people ill, seems like a lot of people are ill now that we're into the winter months, but I'm still here, still (laughs) selling real fake doors, and yeah, I think we should get into it, straight into the...
2: Yeah, let's, the let's have a chat about, uh, about Global Wars. Um, the building, uh, I think, is the first thing we should talk about, the Rivermead Leisure Centre in sunny Reading. Mm-hmm. Um, how was it for you? Well, uh,
1: obviously not the same kind of atmosphere as the York Hall, which was uh, a, like very good for wrestling, I think. This was basically just a sports hall, kind of reminiscent of the sort of Places they go to on like Road to New Japan shows, if you've seen yeah, them yeah. with the basketball hoops. I don't think there are any basketball hoops on. I didn't the
2: OG, see any. But... I, I should have been. Uh, <laughs> I should have been looking around for them. But, uh, yeah, it was a very big square building. It was uh, not designed by an architect;ure more an accountant. I would have said, it was just a big big square box, and the the noise mm. just kind of disappeared up into the ceiling and stayed there. So that was a little disappointing.
1: Not the same kind of atmosphere as Friday, and perhaps...
2: I think you had a lot of the same crowd as well. I mean, uh, when uh, Andy Quilden was announcing it at the start, he said, who was in uh, London yesterday? And everyone's was like, Aah! So um, I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a lot of the same crowd. And I don't know about anyone yeah. else, but I was feeling pretty tired by the time we were kind of heading towards, like, sort of Tanahashi kind of time yeah. of night, you know, sort of... In it was certainly the night.
1: B-show... The B show of the two shows.
2: Yeah. It was a pretty good card though. Um Oh yeah. We started out with uh Naito versus Kushida versus Martin Kirby. Which, pretty uh, interesting matchup. Um a decent opener. I thought Kirby did very well. Um I don't know what they uh, rated his um performance like on on the first night, but I thought he did well there. But uh, especially the the stuff with Kushida, I thought was very good.
1: Yeah, Kirby acquitted, acquitted himself very well over the weekend, and I'm pretty happy for him that he managed to escape the weekend without taking a pinfall, which was a bit surprising. Um, but yeah, he hung with the New Japan guys very well, and Kushida and Naito, they were maybe not as on it as Friday, but they were certainly doing some good stuff. Uh, Naito came out wearing his his B-show clothes without the suit, without the mask. but just Yeah, I'd the... booed him immediately for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like... Lack of effort in the costume. That's just like another level of his trolling gimmick now.
2: Yeah, it, is it is that just part of the gimmick? That he can't bother <laughs> to do the gimmick? It's, <laughs> it's layers. And he was doing the whole shtick with
1: wanting people to let him into the ring and then not taking it. Just very good stuff. Very enjoyable. And... Kushida as well. I thought he did well in this match. He worked uh, quite a lot with Naito, and that was good to see since it was heavyweight versus junior, which you don't really see in the main New Japan shows very much. So it was a bit special
2: to see that. I think every time we do one of these, I kind of campaign for Kushida to be included in the uh, in the G1. I don't see why he's not. Um, I think he did really well. Um, he'd certainly be better off than, um, like, you know, Gallows, to <laughs> name one. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting opener because uh, it's like right from the start you had uh, you had Naito and Kushida out there, so it was um, it's just been such a star-studded weekend from Red Pro that they can just kind of throw those guys out first, and you know, hmm. the guys who have headline shows for New Japan, it's uh, it's impressive stuff. Yeah,
1: the match itself. Um... Not too much to talk about. Um, no, there was they a lot didn't of work normal
2: it. sort of three-way stuff, but it kind of worked better than normal because uh, Naito was the one doing the stalling and kind of staying out of yeah. the ring. Uh, which, so it fit, fit into his character. Yeah, so it fit the gimmick and it kind of fit into the, the three-way dance match, although that worked out pretty well. Um, I think Kushida took it a little bit easy compared to the night before. Um, but then he had an exceptional match the night before. I don't mm-hmm. know if um, uh, what consensus of opinion was from from you guys on the other part of the podcast, but I certainly had that as match of the weekend.
1: Yeah, we had it as match of the weekend as well. Just tremendous stuff from Kushida, so you can forgive him for taking the first match on the B-show a little bit easier. Um, I was a little surprised that he took the pinfall as well. I thought for definite that Martin Kirby was be taking it, but um,
2: He's taken a lot of he, pins recently. Yeah, he. <laughs> and uh, well, there was a submission, wasn't it, on the uprising Yeah.
1: So he, I think he took four, like four straight decision, four straight decisions in the last two weeks.
5: It's a rough ride back.
1: Yeah. Um, but Naito picks up the win, as was probably expected. So he goes two and two for the weekend. Um, and it was just tremendous to see his gimmick again. Like I'm all over it. I'm all in on it. I love it. Um, it doesn't. It isn't conducive to having amazing like five star matches, but just for <laughs> where he is on the card, it works perfectly.
2: Yeah, as I was saying uh, to you guys in Reading, I said that uh, like I've never really been that into this this Naito turn until he spat on that kid in your call, <laughs> <laughs> and. If there's ever been like a defining moment of somebody getting over with me, that was it. He's <laughs> just absolutely nailed it. Uh, gob of phlegm, out of the ring, straight in the kid's face. Yeah, and then he attacked Martin Kirby
1: after the match because Kirby was too stupid to realise that Naito yeah. just wanted to hit someone. Which I, I kind of liked that Kushida, he Kirby called for Kushida to come in the ring and have like a handshake, and was just blew him off. Because he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he knew what was going on.
2: I did have a, a text of uh, one of my friends from up north um, who worked with uh, with Kirby up there, and he asked me how uh, how Kirby had done on the shows. And I said that he'd done very well, but uh, he kind of made himself look a bit um, <laughs> gullible, shall we say, by uh, getting battered by, uh, by night after that match.
1: Yeah, it was good seeing Kirby down south because he really doesn't wrestle he's barely wrestled in progress at all since project ego um left the scene I guess and it was, he acquitted himself very well in the ACH match he did well again here I'd like to see him in Rev pro a bit more
2: yeah I'd say based on this he's given himself every chance but for rev Pro and for uh, progress I'm sure they were uh, they were keeping an eye on it mm-hmm uh, okay uh second match uh Lord Gideon gray versus Gado um <laughs> Before the show, I actually said I was kind of looking forward to it because I thought it was going to be a very funny match, and it started out that way. Uh, the first couple of minutes were very funny. Uh, Gideon was kind of lifting a lot of Gado's spots, uh, like the you know hugging the referee to show that he's no guy guy, and um, you know Gado doing the whole uh, super nice guy thing. And it was alright for a couple of minutes, and then it wasn't.
1: Yeah, it went on for a bit too long. Extended heat sequence. Um, Gideon played it well. I mean, he has excellent like banter with the crowd. He has good charisma. But yeah, it went on a bit too long for
2: what they're capable of. Yeah, that about sums that one up. I think uh, yeah, it was it was probably the probably the worst match of the night. I would say. Um, So now I'm hoping that uh, Lord Gideon isn't actually listening to this because he commented on his (laughs) last. on Twitter, on the last uh, show that we um, reviewed him in, um, that match was better. <laughs> this this one not so good. I don't know if it's um, stage fright of, of working with Gaido. Maybe he didn't feel like he could um, uh, tell him what he wanted to do in the match. But um, yeah, it didn't come across that well. It was uh, it was too long. Thoughtful well, I'm idea.
1: gonna I'm gonna praise the Lord a little bit and say <laughs> praise uh, the Lord But I. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed his choice of tights with all the, like, parody sponsors on it. Yes. I spent, I spent a long time looking at his crotch, and I didn't even mind.
2: So. <laughs> I don't think that's something you want to be admitting, but... Uh, <laughs> yes, praise the Lord, he'll be, uh, he'll be back. Uh, third match was the Thrillers, uh, Redmond and Haskins, uh, against Tenkoji. Uh, what did you make of that one, Ollie?
1: Good seeing Tenkoji again. I thought like they were a class act the whole way through the weekend, and Kojima in this one stole the show.
2: Yeah, just uh, part way through, he just decided, "I'm going to be a heel now." Like he he must have. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was planned or whether he just felt that um, the crowd response wasn't quite right because. There were two babyface teams, and the crowd was uh, the the noise was getting lost in the in up in the ceiling, and yeah. it just felt like it was everyone was a little bit out of the of the match until Kojima started to play up to the crowd a bit, which well, uh, he, oh, he was a just having so much fun. Trouble.
1: He was having so much fun in front of a new crowd, and just he he seemed genuinely happy to be there and just being able to show off his talents.
2: I think it's possibly because he did the um, uh, the corner spot where he, uh, you know, after the the chops, and he points up into the air, and some of the crowd actually kind of did it along with (laughs) him. And um, I think that would have uh, been kind of above his expectations. So he he seemed he seemed happy to be there, and uh, it was really good to see Tenzan as well.
1: Oh yeah, we we talked about the uh, Ichazu Bakairo spot Mm -hmm. in the first part, whereby like we all sort of half say it. Not really knowing if we should or not, and it was good seeing Tenzin and knowing that people wanted to do the hissing, the Mongolian shots. Yes, I did yeah, enjoy I, I was
2: hissing along. Oh yeah, he didn't do the many in uh, Reading. He did a lot more on the, in the Your show. I don't know if it, that was another thing where he was trying to perhaps lean heel. Yeah, during that, during that match, um, it definitely I,
1: seemed like they were playing bully heel team compared to. It seems strange that they were beating down Redman. I think it would have been more effective if they were beating down the smaller Haskins, and yeah. Redman I, is an excellent hot tag. So,
2: Yeah, I, I thought Haskins did really well uh, again in this one. I think he had a very good weekend. Um, mm-hmm. I think every every one of these podcasts that we've done with has come up with praise at some point for Mark Haskins. He's, <laughs> he's at that kind of...
1: He's having a fantastic second half of the year.
2: Yeah, yeah it should uh, bode well. Him going into next year, I'm sure someone will want to push him and put him in some uh, big matches. Well, more big matches, he's already been in quite a few.
1: And it was good to see Tenkoji pick up the win with the lariat.
2: Yeah, didn't he uh, take his um, elbow pad off both of them and then didn't have an elbow <laughs> pad to take off when he did the lariat? That's, that's <laughs> I'm his whole um, yeah, the Kojima stuff with the with the fans in in that match, ah, oh, just brilliant. The um, the one guy who he was standing by you to start with, and then he came yeah. down to where I was. Um, <laughs> oh. He was just yelling, just ah, 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 and <laughs> Kojima turns around and goes, "I can't understand you." <laughs> and then that kind of you know carries on stomping on. The that guy. man
1: was having a very fun evening, I think. Just shouting and being generally drunk. I think he disappeared in the second half. I'm not sure where he went. Maybe he sobered up a little bit.
2: Either that or he went and stood by Rob. I I didn't get any uh, confirmation (laughs) on that, but he was kind of moving around the ground. Yeah. Um, Was the next match after intermission, or was it the last one? No.
1: This was the first half main event.
2: First half main event. That was uh, Nakamura versus Skull. Um, I actually like this a little bit more. Uh, Rob uh, reviewed this over on uh, Voices of Wrestling and he had it at uh, three and a half stars but I, I thought uh, I thought it was a very good showing from Marty girl I thought he had a, an excellent match I, I thought you. it was
1: good but I wasn't enamored by it, I thought this was again like a B Nakamura performance whereas he bought it kind of all with Damo, here he was a little less on it, I thought and he didn't quite rise to the occasion Skull did and Skull did kind of carry a match a lot Doing Nakamura's mannerisms Really trying to get something out of him Nakamura yeah. was kind of along for the ride Obviously his spots are great And we love him But Skull was definitely like The leader in this one
2: I think that was uh, probably the best thing about the match For me is that Skull realised He had an opportunity to step up And really did um, It's Apart from his uh, title uh, Match with AJ I've, I've never really seen him step up like that and just take uh like take it to his opponent to the point where you're thinking this is a marty's girl match not this is a whoever match and mm. it being against nakamura I think that made it even more special that he was doing it against that level of opponents i was I was digging all of his um Mannerisms and the uh, the stuff with the fingers that he was doing. Yeah, I uh, think
1: those two work together well. Like their charisma just matches each other. They're both like crazy awful guys, so that yeah. that definitely worked.
2: The the one thing I'm not sure the crowd got was the when he kicked out for the the like skill kicked out of the bombier and he kicked out at one. Oh yeah, and I think that was supposed to be a big like <gasps> moment and. I don't know, I was going, but I don't think anyone else was. It was just, it seemed odd, and I don't know if that's part of the the burnout of uh, having sat through, Uprising, well, everyone that was at Uprising had sat through two, you know, big shows back to back, but um, that's kind of the point at which I was really feeling the match, and I don't think I was in the majority, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that spot might have been affected a little bit, because... Damo kicked out at one the previous night, so I felt a little bit. It was cool yeah, to see Mark is,
2: do is, that. Is huge guy, he's he's massive. Whereas Skrull is, um, like, what about five ten? I guess mm. he's he's not like a, a big big guy like Damo is. So... Yeah, he's a he's a junior heavyweight definitely. Yeah, so, so yeah, that that for me was a big uh, big shocking spot, and it didn't really get the reaction that I thought it would. And that might be part um, down
1: to the venue, part down to the repeat spot, part down to maybe
2: just not as hot a crowd. But yeah, Yeah, I don't want to criticise the crowd because I felt that it was kind of that you know they were busy all night, but um, maybe it was just the venue and the noise was kind of just disappearing up, and the chance didn't seem to catch on. But um, yeah, so that was possibly the most disappointing aspect of the match is that the crowd didn't buy into it as much as I, I was.
1: Yeah, I found this one difficult to suspend my disbelief for. It it was guaranteed that Nakamura was going to win and no matter what Marty did, it was just kind of like get to finish, Bommie I know that's bad of me as a wrestling fan because I know that there are plenty of wrestling matches that are foregone conclusions, but I just couldn't quite get into this one as much.
2: Um, do you know if Rob enjoyed it? I, I don't remember asking you about this one.
1: Uh, he you- certainly said it was the best match of the first half, um, but considering like it was always going to be, so I'm not entirely sure.
2: Yeah, well, I think I liked it a bit more than him, and obviously a bit more than you as well. <laughs> but that would kind of explain the um, the crowd noise or lack thereof. Yeah. Um. So yeah, intermission, we uh, uh, kind of got together, had a bit of a chat about the uh, the first half and the venue and everything. Um. Uh, from, as as far as like the Reading as a whole, as an experience, um, how was it for you compared to London? Um, well, I had a
1: little bit more time to just chill out a little bit because in London it was just kind of straight off the tube, get in the queue, get in, have a drink, get out. And here it was a bit more, you know, I could relax a bit. We met up before the show, met Rob during intermission. It, yeah, all, and, and bit...
2: beforehand as well, when because um, we we stood talking uh, next to the commentators, which oh yeah, you, you were kind of lucky because you weren't sat there. I was sat there the whole uh, show, and I could hear Andy Boy Simmons making, like, smarky remarks okay. <laughs> off to my left hand <laughs> side, which, um, yeah. oh, I could have lived without that.
1: Yeah, probably be a bit annoying. We also saw uh, some of the Japanese guys. Uh, selling their t-shirts uh, saw kashida hanging out with tenzin and uh okada sent one of his boys over to take a picture of your t-shirt
2: yeah uh, well uh, I'm guessing <laughs> all the chaos boys are all um like hanging out together and uh, that they, they must just love Ishi like I do and you do and everyone does that uh, that's no, everyone right. loves Ishii. <laughs> yeah so I was wearing the uh, the stone pitbull t-shirt and um, a, a guy that I would say he looked like Kashida's dad <laughs> uh, came over and basically took a photo of uh, of the t-shirt and there's a card standing behind him giving me like a thumbs up so, uh, <laughs> so yeah I didn't take any photos of him he took photos of me which is odd anyway um, moving on to the second half um, the match that we weren't particularly looking forward to which was the Bullet Club um, Revolutionists match
1: mm. um, I kind of I kind of regret uh, not using this as a piss break. Yeah, to be um, honest, I was
2: kind of surprised at how over um, Gallows and Anderson were. I mean, they got like, oh. a standing ovation, and the, the <laughs> were yeah, uh, every,
1: everyone around me was standing up, and I was just like,
2: have, really Are we have standing for Gallows?" <laughs> I no offense to the guys, they're they're a solid enough tag team, but um, if I was booking a promotion, I probably wouldn't fly them in and make a, a big deal out of them. But, um, yeah, the mm. Bullet Club's over. Well, they were here for the
1: WXW Tag League. Uh, yeah. They well, got their matches done out of the way on Friday. And
2: Carl Anderson does seem to be league. on most of the, the shows where New Japan talent's booked because he's the guy that books them. So if you yeah. want to book New Japan talent, you kind of give Carl a ring and he <laughs> yeah. sorts it out, as far as I can tell. But then with it being joint promoted... Was there really a need for them? I, I don't know. And also
1: everyone loves everyone loves um, the Bullet Club in the West. Like, I thought that was just a myth, but they actually do. Like, people really get into it, even though there's only about half of them who are actually talented. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's, well, I think it's probably a higher percentage than that, but... Um... Yeah,
1: that's a, that's an over-exaggeration, but...
2: Yeah, uh, the match, though, uh, not particularly good. Um, I don't really know what we were expecting from it. It was just... Yeah. <laughs> it was just there. It was there, and there was no finish. DQ finish. Yeah. I think
1: it was Castle hitting them with the belt in front of a ref.
2: Yeah, and that's the second night in a row he kind of made a mess of the belt shot. Um, <laughs> if you're going to hit someone with a belt, then go ahead and hit him with the belt, uh... You know, ask him beforehand if it's okay, but you know, hit him with the belt so it actually I mean, looks like a like a reasonable finish. But just yeah. running in and just giving a little little love tap, <laughs> just um you know, you'd do anything for me.
1: Yeah, there was no way these two teams were going to have a good match. Maybe Samuels versus Anderson could have been decent.
2: Yeah, Well, like I said yeah. uh, on the preview show, I was kind of hoping for a, for more comedy in that one, and. um I'm a big comedy guy, I like my funny matches, especially uh, yeah. Japanese guys, they they do a good job of it, mm-hmm. and I didn't really get that here, it was just, a, you know, what kind of what we expected, nothing much. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on, swiftly, to um, my favourite match of the night, which was Will Osprey versus Kazushika Okada.
1: Easily my favourite match of the night, and... Probably my second favorite match of the weekend.
2: Yeah, oh, this I had was... it too. I had it too after Kushida and O'Reilly. I had this, and then I had the main event from the first show. Yeah, third. I would
1: go the same. This was tremendous. Just Will Osprey is having an amazing year, and he's only gonna get better from here, which is awesome. And seeing a lot getting on the level of Okada. Obviously, Okada was just li- like he's a little bit better, but
2: there were spots in there where Arada was trying to show him that he wasn't at that level uh, yeah <laughs> particularly that uh, that submission attempt where he just kind of uh, tied Osprey up and then kind of leisurely laid back in the ring and just kind of oh uh, that that was tremendous he channeled his inner night over. that was that and one he was one I, the he was
1: looking right at the girl wearing the theada's cosplay Okada gear, jacket. yeah brilliant
2: I forget and, her yeah. name she's on Twitter. Um, hmm,
1: I can't remember it either, but yeah. <laughs> she did a fucking fantastic job with that jacket. Can't say enough good things.
5: <laughs> hey, uh, quick editing interjection. Uh, I've recovered now, by the way, thankfully. I managed to overcome this podcast curse. So yeah, Uh, anyway.
3: Sh- uh, Shazel was the name of the amazing card cosplayer, and she was also an equally amazing Nakamura cosplayer the previous night. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter and see some of the pictures. If you give her a follow over at Dazzle.
2: Yeah, so I think Ricardo was very impressed as well. But uh, mm. yeah, that that match, uh, oh, so good. The um, what really got me was uh, Will had gone into that match feeling that he had something to prove, and while he didn't win, he certainly proved his point. And there was one point uh, where he's just kind of throwing elbows and, and yelling at Okada, I'm just as good as you. That was really seldom the storyline to me. That's, you know, he, he felt he had to prove he could be on Okada's level after, especially after kind of proving that he belonged in the main event the night before, but still losing, still losing the pin. He, he was definitely here to prove what he could do and yeah. uh, he delivered. He
1: brought all the energy, like, as he always does. Like, he's so good in these big match situations, and he's such a good big match wrestler because he wrestles with so much emotion, so much passion, and then he can do the awesome moves that back it up and get you excited, and it's like a two-way street. We feed off him, he feeds off of us, and
2: it just makes everything so much better. So you're a fan, then? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think the the one thing about him is... um... I, I'm not sure where the, where the line is drawn between being confident and being a little bit cocky. Um, so it, you worry whether he might just kind of accidentally turn himself heel. And I noticed there were a few boos um, yeah. uh, both uh, at Uprising and at the Global War show. And maybe that's why they pulled back on the, on the push of it. It's certainly a
1: possibility. Happen. He's he's still quite young. Like, what is he, 23, I think now? But, yeah, he could get too big for his boots. But <laughs> uh, for here and now and in this match against another young, cocky guy like Okada, that energy yeah. works well, really well.
2: With uh, with Okada, I mean, he got pushed too soon. Um, he was supposed to be the, the next big thing, and he wasn't. And then he was. Um, (laughs) so maybe that's something for Ospreay when he's obviously progress champion Um, chances are next year could be his year for for Red Pro
1: I would say it's likely
2: yeah well that's the the thing with with AJ being champion now it's like how long is he going to hold it, who's he going to lose it to be interesting
1: Mm-hmm. We talked a little about a little bit about that last night or uh, last recording. Yes, um, no, earlier, earlier in the podcast. Earlier in the <laughs> podcast, <laughs> doing the SmackDown gimmick. Um, uh, yes, I didn't hear any
2: of that, so uh, I I really have no idea what was going yeah, on. Well,
1: basically, we said that now that AJ has had his triple threat, where he, they could have taken the title off of him, um, he kind of has to lose it in a singles match. I don't know what you think of that.
2: That would be nice. Um, I would say he's probably going to hold it for a while now if they're going to carry on doing these uh, uh, co-promote shows and have him over quite often. He seems uh, willing to do that. Um, I can see him holding on to it until the big uh, summer show next year. That would not be a surprise. Or or maybe even having to hold it longer than that, take it into uprising next year. And then it would be a really big title change.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, Osprey Okada... Just a fantastic match, definitely a must see that justifies a purchase of this show if it just for this match
2: I would um, yeah I would say so yeah, if I hadn't uh, already seen it I mean it's a match that I really wanted to see anyway, um so I'm glad it delivered uh, like it did
1: yeah um Rob said that he would have preferred this match in the main event. I'm not sure what you think of that
2: i'm I thought it was probably going to go on last um. But then you'd have had like two, uh, two shows in a row where um, Osprey would have lost in the main event, and it kind of amplifies his defeat, if you will. Um, yeah. Whereas I, I think the the dream match that they had lined up as the main event, that was for me that was the main event. Um, I could see either one going on last. Um, I kind of. I had like a 50-50 idea in my head as to which one it was going to be but uh, I'm pleased the way that, with the way they went with it.
1: Yeah, I think it worked well. It's just the specialness of the main event that we'll get um, to in a minute. Uh even though this was a very special match, it didn't it didn't have that like one-time only kind of feel and
2: it kind of felt like a like a tryout for for Osprey to see if he could um, hang like, you know, hang with, with the cardo whether he could actually survive yeah. on that level. I think um maybe he's the, somebody that New Japan are looking at. Um he would definitely with the be experience the experience he's had in bowler as well, um yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he was uh, involved in the best of the Super Juniors next year. He would definitely be the guy to pick out of all
1: the British guys if they wanted him. He would he would slide into that uh, he's super most ready. position he's so
2: well. There's no doubt about that. He's, he's the guy yeah. that's most ready. Perhaps if they wanted someone with more personality, they might go Skril. But um, c- because his gimmick is so much more rounded and, and fleshed yeah. out, whereas Will's just kind of a, you know plucky baby face, and he does it very well. But it's maybe they want something different. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, they could do
1: the PWG and get them both over, <laughs> which would be great. Uh, tag league in two
2: months. <laughs> Who knows? Got to fill out. That those always seems to be a bit spots. disappointing um, for me. The tag league, it's, yeah. But yeah we're not talking New Japan. We're talking uh, Ref Pro. <laughs> Next match, featuring New Japan's Hiroshi Tanahashi <laughs> against Big Daimo. Um, I didn't like this anywhere near as much as Daimo's first night match with Nakamura, which was, uh, you know, a big. Event, Um, this kind of plodded a bit, and uh, Rob, I see gave that three and a half stars, and I don't think it's anywhere near that. But that's just me.
1: It did plod a little bit, and you have to kind of put that down to Tanahashi saving himself a little bit. He wasn't going all out this weekend, and there was no way he was take a few
2: meaty bumps in there. Um, Certainly more than he took on the the first night where he was uh, a tourist. But, um, you know, it was, it was nice to see him, but he was not really mm. doing much. Um, Damo uh, kind of won me over uh, in this match, though, because of his crowd interaction. Yeah,
5: well, that was really good. I don't if you could
2: good. hear uh, much of it from over your side, but anytime somebody got on his case, he had a very, very fast comeback. Uh, and not like the sort of giddy and Gray, shout out. It was um, <laughs> witty, surprisingly yeah. so. Like And when, he... Um, some guy's guy got a uh, you're just a fat Drew McDonald chant going and he turned around to them and said I wish <laughs> <It's> <laughs> perfect perfect guy. Yeah,
1: he he was doing very good with the crowd interactions and also like vocalising his frustration at not being able to defeat Tanahashi I thought that was good to just get the crowd into it a little more, especially after such a whirlwind match before the
2: crowd could have very easily yeah. been lost and they were it, a little bit at the start it was quiet um, I remember sitting there at the start of the match, and it was it was quiet and I thought this is a very very quiet for for Tanahashi. Mm. very quiet and um then I kind of turned around and uh, looked over my shoulder, and Nakamura was standing um about six feet behind me, um just watching, so you know he was enjoying it, <laughs>
1: yeah, I thought uh these two worked very well together um they both, they got that sort of slower style done very well. It was, it reminded me of the Tanahashi Farley match in a way. I think Damo's better than Farley, and he certainly injected more life into the match than Farley ever could. But what it Do kind you of think Damo's
2: uh, a, a likely candidate to go out to Japan? I, I would say so.
1: I've been saying this since he beat Ishii. They wouldn't just give him that win for free. Like, you feel like they'd get, gi- they'd give him that win and then bring him over for a tour a Juice Robinson and let him give the win back to Ishii. Um, Ishii will be in more singles matches in 2016. <laughs> um, and very easily they could bring in Damo for a one-time challenge and see if that could turn into anything more.
2: Yeah, I'd be interested to see that. Um, the There are slight concerns. I think his, his coast-to-coast is very impressive when he connects on it, but that doesn't seem to happen often enough, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of spots for him that are a little rough around the edges, but for his size, he moves very well.
1: I feel like his look kind of helps him out with that rough around the edges feel anyway. Like, when he was fighting Ishi in June, it felt like he was kind of like a wild man who could just kind of Hit unorthodox moves but make him hurt just because of his size, and it felt like that again here with Tanahashi. Like, Tanahashi at times seemed like a little bit in danger, which Nakamura didn't really feel against girl.
2: Um, no, I didn't really feel the same way about that one. Um, I, I don't know what it was, but it just, I, I've seen Tanahashi wrestle a lot of, of big guys, and it, it just tends to be like. You know, take the heat, take the heat, take the heat. High fly, fly. Yeah, and um, that's kind of how I felt about this one. I was slightly disappointed they didn't put Damo over, but then you can't
1: <laughs> really. You, no, that's a thousand percent not going to happen. Yeah,
2: well, you can but dream. Um, yeah. So that, that match for me came off a little bit flat. Um, I think Demo helped to push it and Tanahashi's presence kind of brought it up so it wasn't like a a waste of time or anything it was was worth watching but um, yeah a little bit too flat
1: that's fair enough I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than Nakamura's Girl despite enjoying Nakamura's Girl's interactions I just felt this worked a bit better
2: as a match all in all I think we're going to have to disagree on that one (laughs) fair enough Uh, that just leaves the main event which is um, AJ Styles defending his British Heavyweight Championship against Jushin Liger, which uh, originally was just scheduled to be a non-title match, but um, uh, AJ decided to make it a title match, which got me very excited because I thought they were going to switch the belt. <laughs> um, well, my heart did. I don't know if my head did, but uh, I,
1: I felt a little bit like that. I felt. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure if you saw on Twitter that Chris Charlton. Um, was listening to Tanahashi's podcast and he obviously understands Japanese and was translating it a little bit. He said that, like, England is another land or another world or something where, like, a junior could beat a heavyweight. Potentially. So it felt like they could have taken... They could have given, like, a feel-good win and not have it mean anything. But obviously with this week, having the King of Pro Wrestling main event, you can't really have one of the guys go in having lost to a junior it just it's not the way new japan works
2: no no but um i, I was kind of hanging on all the the near falls and the uh, it's a very solid wrestling match and yeah. uh, anytime Liger was in trouble uh, the calf killer was used a lot and uh, i was kind of on the edge of my seat no no please don't tap and um yeah i, I was probably the most emotionally invested in this uh, of anything on, on the night yeah, I enjoyed
1: the like the ground-based wrestling because Osprey versus Okada was very aerial, like a lot of big moves. This very was a lot slushy. of subtlety. This was a lot of obviously Liger can't really fly around the ring or do like amazing stuff anymore, but he can. He works very smart and like a lot of those pinning attempts and those um calf cutter, calf killer attempts, just working into each other and really, <coughs> really fun, fun exchanges.
2: Yeah, that was, uh, like I said, I was really into the match and um, I I was disappointed that uh, it had to end. (laughs) I was was just kind of, you know, on the edge of my chair the whole way through and yeah, kind of like how it was with O'Reilly and Kushida. I I felt that, that the emotion of like, you know, this could go one way, it could go the other, maybe. Um, Like I say, kind of, if I did used more logic in my thinking, I probably wouldn't have <laughs> been thinking that, but I kind of lost myself in the moment, and yeah, I really enjoyed the match, it was a good, good way to end the weekend and yeah, I was, was especially a... pleased that uh, there was a very, very loud uh, standing ovation for Lager when he was leaving as uh, I'm sure he enjoyed that.
1: Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a very emotional match, just being both guys being so over, especially in the UK, both guys uh, essentially started their careers and kind of got famous in the UK so it was an important match For the British scene, as well as just having a New Japan dream match that couldn't happen
2: on the main New Japan shows. I did like um, AJ saying afterwards that, you know, give him the handshake and everything and said, uh, it'll never happen again. (laughs) That uh, kind of gave me a little bit of a goosebumps at the thinking, well, we've just seen that and that'll probably be it. Yeah. I I don't see them really working anywhere else except possibly Ring of Honor. And, And that was it. Uh,
1: any final thoughts on that match? Uh, where would you put it on the night or the weekend in terms of top five or something?
2: I'd say it was in the top five, yeah. As um, I said earlier, the three at the top I'd have would be um, the Kushida-O'Reilly match, because that really felt like a struggle. Um, I thought that was the best match by a little bit of a distance. Then I'd have gone with Osprey and Okada. Uh third would have been main event from the first night, so I guess yeah, I'll probably put that at four. Possibly Nakamura and Damo. I think that'd be the five.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that five. Maybe Nakamura Demo over AJ Liger, but yeah, those were the five matches that definitely stood out across the weekend. Possibly
2: my uh, my personal investment in the in that match was, was greater than the Nakamura yeah. Damo match, although they put some ridiculous spots in there, so uh, kind of compensate for it. But, uh, yeah, on the whole, really good weekends of wrestling.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I had a blast. It was good to see my fellow podcasters, and just kind of, yeah, soak myself into seeing the New Japan guys. It was just tremendous. Like, (laughs) New Japan is, like, one of my favourite things in the world, (laughs) so just seeing, like, Ten New Japan guys come over, being able to react to them, have having them be so close, like that is genuinely special. And I'm glad that they New Japan did this. They came over to Britain and gave threw us a bone, and really, it felt really special.
2: Yeah, I think uh, when we were watching the first show. I was sat next to Rob uh, on the balcony in York Hall, and the like the first match there had uh, like Tenkoji as surprise uh, guest participants yeah. and it was just like wow that <laughs> they didn't even bother advertising Kojima and and I mean can you imagine <laughs> that <laughs> you, uh, you go to an that. indie show and you get that as a, as a surprise opener
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah I think I almost gave them like a bigger pop for that one just because they weren't on the card and hey now they are you get to see them that was great
2: yeah, yeah it's fun stuff um yeah, so uh, cracking Weekend, uh, I guess we're going to hand over to Rob, who's going to sign off when his voice returns, but um, cheers, Ollie. And thankfully, return
3: it has. Uh, not really a huge amount left to say, other than thanks for listening, and thanks to Garrett for joining us, and Rue for trying to, of course. Uh, you can purchase both of the shows we talked about over on com. they got them up for streaming and download. Um, Oh, and I should say that due to this podcast being delayed due to illness, which at this point has been mentioned, ad infinitum, uh, we're we're not going to have time to squeeze in another cast in before the next progress show chapter twenty-two. I think, yeah, twenty-two sounds right, probably. Whatever the next one is, uh, we had previously planned to have an episode pre- uh, preview in the show and talking over the previous chapter, but now that's up in the air, so, uh, I do We'll most likely have an episode once this coming chapter comes out on Demand Progress, where we'll talk about our thoughts for both shows, so, yeah. Uh, you can come over to the Voice Wrestling forums, though. Well, there's a Thriving Progress thread where we're discussing the upcoming show, so that's a preview of sorts. Uh, there's also a thread on the... Uh, the upcoming RPW shows, where they just announced Will Ospreay vs Trevely, which is a match I'm very excited about, uh, so hop on over there and join in the conversation. Um, obviously, we've also got a tonne of great non-Brit stuff over there too, so yeah, voiceofwrestling.com guys, you know the drill.
5: Um,
3: I think that about wraps this up, we'll be back PROBABLY later this month, PROBABLY, that's the plan anyway. Um, Until then,
1: see ya.
0: Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old...